Podcasting live from better. This is the Playbook Podcast providing you with tips, hacks, and game plans to take your business further, faster. Hear from top leaders in our growing community and gain mind-blowing inspiration and tools to optimize your business, drive growth, and promote pursuing better. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Playbook Podcast. Keep proving it every single day. Hello, everyone. It's Brian Underwood, and I have a special guest on with me today. Um, for everyone that's tuning in and everyone in Prove It Nation, uh, you know, our goal right now uh, during this time is to just continue to bring more value to uh, the community, to the marketplace. And I think right now, more than ever, we all have to be aware. Uh, we all have to be mindful and conscientious that this isn't just um, a disruption that's affecting one place in the world. You know, every single person around the world is fighting the same fight. And the real fight that we're all fighting, I believe, is, is the fight that happens in our mind, right? Uh, every day we wake up and there's more uncertainty, there's more questions, uh, and there's no way to really assess, like, what is the new normal or when will we get through this storm? Uh, the thing that I know that we want to do is just bring you different tools, different perspectives, different levels of awareness that when everyone runs wild and scared and there's, there's people that are looking for certainty, you have the ability um, in, in the new environment and the new economy uh, to help give people that certainty based on how you attack through the storm, right? Um, how you pace, how you, uh, how you handle it, right? And so I think those that have emotional intelligence, remember that the majority of people in the world don't have the same level of awareness or emotional intelligence that a lot of you that are watching this are. And that's why I think it's so important to come together as a community to constantly feed our brains and feed our perspectives and feed our levels of awareness. And one of the things I encourage each and every one of you all to do is, is uh, this disruption started to begin is just, you know, the first thing is every day to seek the truth, you know, um, be willing to, you know, find out what is real, but don't get caught up in the trap or the rabbit hole. If you must say of uh, all the propaganda out there, right. And definitely don't see something worse than it is because, you know, what people then do is they use that um, as, as, a, as a way out or they use it as a way to minimize themselves or isolate themselves or to hide. This isn't a time for us to hide. This is a time for us to come together and perform and, you know, control our environments. It's going to look a little bit different. Um, and, you know, it's a great opportunity for each and every one of us to grow through this. Uh, so on the other side of the storm, um, our ship is still sanding. We don't retreat. Um, you know, we can all weather the storm. We're all strong enough to do it all. Um, I use the analogy of Bubba Gump and 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 um, and Forrest Gump. Uh, you know, Bubba Gump shrimp was created because they were able to weather the storm. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but you should watch the movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, so with me, I have a great friend of mine on the line um, that you know has dedicated his entire life to this perspective, to the perspective of, you know, how you can overcome to become, how you can, you know, really use tools, mindset, physiology, uh, real tools and strategies to help peak performance. And peak performance is easy to perform when all of the conditions are right, you know, but what separates, you know, I would say leaders or the people that uh, make a massive impact in the world are those that can shift um, during, you know, performing or, or their shift their performance when all the conditions aren't exactly right. And um, I've just been fortunate enough to be great friends with Jarek Robbins for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years, maybe going on. I don't even know. I, I, I don't even remember what it was, 2007, maybe 2007. But anyway, um, you know, so I could tell you a lot of his accomplishments. Uh, he's traveled the world. Uh, he's coached, um, you know, peak performers in business, athletics, uh, all different walks of life. And uh, But I think the most important thing I can say about Jarek, for those of you that haven't met him, um, I always he, he makes fun of me sometimes because I always say that he eats his own cookie or eats his own cooking. Um, he really is just a great person and a great human being, and he has a heart for people. And um, I think that, you know, at this stage of where we're at in this disruption, as I've told you guys, there's a lot of opportunity out in the world and what we don't want to do is look at what we can get out of this time. We want to look at what we can give. And if we can focus on that, all of us are going to come up or come away stronger and we're going to leave a lasting impact and get rewarded for that impact. And so 
Um, with that being said, Jared, appreciate you joining us. I know that you have a lot of thoughts around uh, all of this hysteria and craziness and and this real life scenario that's creating a disruption around the world. So kind of give us a little bit of your perspective and what you've been doing. Totally. So first off, thank you for having me. It's always great to eat cookies together and hang out. Uh, <laughs> the The thought is... I feel like, you know, I was born for this season. I was made for this time. Just if I look back in life, there's certain things that whether it's God guiding me or life putting me in that position or the universe calling me to it, whatever happened, happened. But but it was certain things that kind of put me in a position that trained me to be ready for moments like this. Uh, you know, one of them reversing back, just thinking of times, I was volunteering, living in a village in Uganda no running water, no electricity, no toilets. And the thought there was like, wow, if I could fall in love with life like that, everything else is going to be blissful. And and so it's like, wow, if you can fall in love with the simplicity of just day-to-day life and and make the simplest things, the most magical and amazing things with your family, with your friends, with the ones you love, all of a sudden, life is incredible, no matter what you're doing or where you're going or what you're up to. And, And so that's kind of a mental shift. Um, you know, learning how to fall in love with a job that I didn't necessarily like. I remember stacking lumber in Canada for three months in the summer. And for those of you who've ever bailed hay, stacked lumber, chopped wood, falls into the same category. Doing that from, you know, seven in the morning till five in the afternoon, six days a week for three months or your entire childhood, depending on where you grew up. Um, it, it, it's not something you generally like love to do. <laughs> it's something you're like, oh God, I got to do that again. But if you, if you do this little mental trick, you're like, wait a minute, could I train myself how to fall in love with that? Because if I could, I could do anything to protect my family, to take care of the ones I love, to care for the people who matter to me most. My goodness, it takes away the fear. It takes away the, oh my gosh, what happens if scenarios. But for today, there's something specific I want to share just to show this thought. And there's a couple of pieces. Winter is coming. So we might change this and say, you know, winter is here. <laughs> we, we might do that. Because if you, and what I mean is, you know, financial winter, emotional winter, life winter, we've kind of gotten hit with this experience where things have come to a halting stop. Uh, not in Florida, but in lots of the world, it's kind of gotten cold economically. Stores have shut, businesses have locked down, people are being told to stay home. My wife and I were on a walk this morning and two police officers stopped to tell us to go home and make sure we weren't just out walking around. And I was like, wow, what an interesting time. This is proverbial, you know, thoughtful wise winter. Now, now Brian, you're my audience here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my co-host and the leader here. And so I'm going to ask you, what normally happens in winter? People get cold. People stay inside. Um, people get down. They get sad. Seasonal affective disorder. They, right? they get nervous about the dragons. They, they get their coats on. Right? And yeah. so this, the simplest... I mean, some people freeze to death. Like literally, you go outside and it gets so cold and they're not prepared. You want to write, if you're taking notes, you want to write that down. They're not prepared for winter. Like if we drove up to a cabin and we got into the middle of the mountains in Canada in the most beautiful epic place and there's this little cabin and we get to the cabin and we open it up and there's no food, there's no wood, there's no supplies, there's no gear, there's nothing there to keep us safe. From, from anything. We're just, just, a, just a frame cabin with nothing in it. And then all of a sudden we find out tomorrow the biggest, most intense winter storm is coming for 15 days. If we're not prepared, there's a good chance one of us, you know, we're not going to make it. We're going to start looking at each other and figuring out who has more meat after so many days. <laughs> and that sounds crazy. That sounds, you know, insane. Like, what, would people really do that? Why does that happen? And it's the key that, that that group just wasn't prepared. Now, isn't it true that people also go snowboarding in the winter and hang out with their families and sit around a warm fire and laugh and play games and hang out and learn stuff and grow and have the most beautiful connections with the people who matter to them most? 
I mean, that's the other side of winter. Now, what's the difference between the family who's snowboarding and hanging out and loving on each other and playing board games and laughing hysterically and having the time of their life, creating memories that'll last forever, and the family who has the potential to possibly starve to death? And it came down to preparation. Now, some people think money, but watch this. If you had all the money in the world and you're sitting in an empty room and snowed in with zero supplies, how valuable is that money? Not a whole lot. I mean, you can only burn so much money and it only creates so much heat and then it's gone. And so it's like, well, that's not necessarily the thing that's going to save your life in that moment. We're going to have to get creative. We're going to have to tap into the inside of who we are to figure out how to solve the problem at hand. Now, for some people, that's getting supplies. For some people, that's fending off stuff that might be attacked them mentally, emotionally, physically. For some people, that, that's you know, taking care of their community. But wh what's the problem? Someone told me yesterday, it was beautiful. We cannot solve a problem we're not willing to accept as true. If someone presents us with a problem and we go, that's not real, we can't solve it. If someone presents us with a problem, we go, yeah, that's nothing. We can't solve it. But the moment we're willing to accept that that's a problem, we can now do something about it. So if we were in an in a, in a empty house with nothing in it and we said, we have a problem, we don't have any food and we don't have any wood and it's snowing really heavily outside. Could we get creative enough to solve the problem? We need food, we need warmth and we need to you know, weather this storm. We could totally do it if we have access to the creative part of our brain. And so one thing, um, one thing that'd be really useful is we got to figure out what would take away our ability to think clearly during chaos. And, and we got to think, we need to get people from fear. And fear is something that short circuits our brain. Like it cuts off the ability, it puts us in fight or flight, and it cuts off the ability for our brain to access logical thought. And so if we drop into a fearful state, all of a sudden we start doing knee-jerk emotional reactions. Now, I tease people right now, because if you go to your pantry or wherever you store the toilet paper, if you have 57 or more rolls of toilet paper in your home right now, you have made emotional buying decisions. <laughs> and what happens is when we get scared, we look to three things. What the powerful people are doing, what the majority of people are doing, and what the people closest to us are doing. So if, you, if, if you're all your cousins, friends, and family go buy toilet paper, you're most likely going to buy toilet paper. If everyone in your community is shown on TV buying toilet paper, you're going to go buy toilet paper. And if the most famous, powerful people in the world, uh, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates kind of people are buying toilet paper, you're definitely going to go buy toilet paper. And so it's this concept of that's driven by fear. And so we want to get you from fearful, if you imagine a little cup that's kind of full, we're full of fear. We want to get rid of that fear and we want to elevate. Um, now, someone, you know, we might guess what do we want to elevate to? And someone said fearless, but I think fear is good some of the time. So my thought, instead of getting fearless, what if we just get empowered? Now we can do something. Empowerment is to, you know, tap into that inner power within ourselves and to bring that to life, a state of certainty, a state of clarity. Uh, a state of the ability to have a you know, rest assured that we can do something right now and it's going to work. But the only way we can elevate from fear, a state of fear to a state of being empowered is we got to drain the fear out. And the first place most people try to drain the fear out of is our mind. We try to like do mindset stuff. So we think positive, we focus on the positive, we say positive things. Um, now, Brian, I don't know about you, have you ever been in a position where you were literally physically scared out of your mind, they say? Like you were just like, oh, like it just scared the tar out of you and then try to tell yourself positive thoughts. Have you ever done that where you're like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay and your nervous system is like, you're lying. It's not- like When I'm riding a roller coaster or something else. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember an exact time. I'm sure that I have been. I just- mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, the, th the things I think everyone could probably experience is, 
Uh, if you can't think of a time where like you're actually fearful, think of a time that someone just scared you to death, right? Like you're walking around a corner and they jump on, they go, ah, and you, you jump, you don't have time to even think, right? You're, you're right. nervous and it shocks you. So that's, that's, that's right. where I went when you were talking about that. That's right. And I'll, here's another example. If you've ever been out in the wilderness and seen a deer and you're observing a deer and the deer is just eating grass and you're like, wow, how beautiful is that little deer right there? And you're observing it and everything's fine. And then you take a step forward and he goes, and you accidentally step on a twig, what does the deer immediately do? It goes from eating, eating to, and it freezes. Its ears pop straight up and it listens very, very closely to what's going on. Why does it do that? It's entering a state of fight or flight. It is saying, are you here to kill me? If you are, that deer is about to run faster than you've ever seen anything run in its life or try to fight you if you corner it. It'll whack you with its feet. And if you're not, within about 30 seconds, the deer goes, nope, I'm fine, right back to eating. So it entered a state of fight or flight and animals have the ability to de-escalate out of that state almost immediately. Humans don't. Because what happens when someone jumps around the corner and goes, Wah! and you go, <gasps> how many of us, if you look at your heart rate, does your heart rate now stay elevated for the next 25, 30 minutes? Meaning we have to go take a walk to cool off. We got to go relax. Research shows if you're in a conversation with a loved one and they say something that sparks you and all of a sudden you get triggered and your heart rate jumps up to 95 beats or higher per minute in that moment, it literally shows your prefrontal cortex is cut off, you're in fight or flight, and you're no longer able to comprehend what the other person is saying. You can't even hear them. Even if they're saying loving things, it literally is going straight through because your body is physiologically in a state of fear and fight or flight. And so if we tell your mind in that state, think positive, think happy thoughts, think positive, think happy thoughts, it ain't going to work. And so going back to this, we got to figure out, well, where else does fear live? Well, fear can live in the mind. Emotions is the other place, right? So emotions, and then the final place is in the actual body. And so the body is where fear gets physically stored inside of us. And there it carries with us. It, it creates this little... Um, uh, stain or scar or scratch that kind of sticks in our nervous system. And how do we know that happens? Because if you've ever been scared in a certain place, so I could tell you a specific example. When I was a little kid, I never forget, there was this hallway to go to where my mom's room was. And I'll never forget, she said, honey, come here. And the lights were all turned off. And as I was walking down the hallway, she hid inside of the closet and when I was about a foot from her door to open it, she retched out from the closet and grabbed my ankle and went, Rah! I jumped. Like, I don't know how big this room was, but I leaped from the door across the entire room. Like, I would have won a long jump competition contest right then and landed on her bed and was like, ah, what the heck was that? And I was scared out of my mind. Now, what's interesting it took me a good 15 minutes to just like breathe to get my nervous system to calm down. I was literally ready to kill something. This happened again. And, and so what happens is, what do you think happened the next week when I walked down the hallway in the dark over towards her room? <laughs> as soon as I got within five feet of that closet, my whole nervous system went, Whoa! and it, caught, it, it triggered because my body said, remember, something scary might be right here. And that's what happens. So what happens is if, if we try to, if I say, no, there's nothing here, there's nothing here, there's nothing here, my heart rate still elevates, my nervous system still tightens, my body still clams up. And that means I'm still fearful. I'm not empowered. And so I got to go, oh, how in the world could I transition this? Well, I got to work on the body first. And we got to do this in the opposite order. So instead of working on the mind first, we've got to work on the body. And we got to say, what things will help us get fear out of the body? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, your breath. How you breathe. You know, and what can we do? Well, the simplest thing, 
Um, there's lots of free tools for this. I'm sure we can create a little guide and email it out to you guys or message it to you. So that way it's like the approved guide of cool things to use. But there's apps you can download that are free that literally have a little dot and you set it to a certain ratio to get to calm. So you set it for four seconds in and eight seconds out. And what happens is if you do, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a biofeedback specialist. If you do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night, you could, it's so easy. You could get your kids to do it with you. You could get your spouse or husband or friends or family to do it with you. And what's going to happen is if you've ever gone to a movie or a play, and when you're watching it, you start to get into the same breath rhythm and the same heart range as the people around you. And by the end of the movie, you feel very connected to those people. If you want to create more connection in your family and within your community and team, if you spent 20 minutes breathing together in the morning, it's going to sync you guys together and get you in something called resonance where your brain waves and your heart waves are in sync with each other. And you're going to feel much more connected when people right now feel so isolated. And so one thing you want to do, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And just, you, and let me ask you a question, Jarek. I mean, you know, for some people, this might be a muscle that they would need to build. Um, oh, yeah. For some people, you could start with four minutes, five minutes, and then build into it. Yep, totally. And what's happening, so I, I've used all kinds of tools. I've used meditation tools, breathing tools, training tools, cold showers, and we'll talk about some of those in a few minutes. But what I noticed is most of my clients, and I, I have a guy who's done extraordinarily well in, in real estate. I mean, he's done millions and millions and millions of dollars in real estate deals. And I couldn't get him to meditate. I couldn't get him to, to work. He works out, but not consistently. I couldn't get him to do the cold showers. But when I showed him how to do the breathing, he said, this is the most effective tool you've ever shown me because... I can't just stop and go meditate in the middle of my day. I can, but not when I'm driving around and have my kids and all this stuff. I can't go cold shower hopping in the middle of the day when I'm with my family doing this stuff. And he says, but I can just count my breath. I can go, oh my God, I'm tense. One, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in. And he said, if that's all I do, my whole nervous system comes back to calm in moments that I would have been stressed for 30, 40, 50 minutes of that day. And just instantly, my breath brings me right back down to calm. He said, it's so powerful. It's literally, he told me, the most powerful tool I've, I've shared with him. And I was like, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> I've been working with this guy probably for seven years. And he said, breathing was the most powerful tool. But I also talked to my dad about it. And he told me, he's like, dude, breathing is the key to everything. You got to start with your breath. And I was like, wow. So breathing is one way we can train our body back down to calm. Now, let me show you something that's important. And then I'll come back to this in a second. We'll keep going. So one of my clients is a really cool guy. He'd be someone to have on as a guest. Um, I can introduce you if you want. So one of my clients, he used to train the Navy SEAL snipers. And he took their graduation rate from like 20, 30% graduation rate to 100% graduation rate when he was in charge of the sniper school. Now, how he did that was by using positive psychology because he figured out you don't need to beat these guys up anymore. They've already been beaten up in boot camp and training and all this other stuff. Now you need to reward them and guide them to be their best. So if you want leadership, it's rewarding and guiding them to be their best. I also, he also came out, built a $20 million plus business um, and has done extraordinarily well, where most people who exit as a SEAL don't necessarily do that well. So he's a very rare human who not only excelled in the training he did for the SEALs, also excelled out in the business world. Two things he says you have to absolutely master, and you have to master them, which is being able to be laser focused, yet aware of the chaos. And I was like, wow, how, how interesting is that concept? Being laser focused, yet aware of the chaos. Now, if you're a, let's say father, I'm soon to be a dad. We're a few months away here. If you're, if you're a father or a mother, if you're a business owner, um, you know, if you're not laser focused throughout the day with your kids at home, with everyone here right now, how much do you get done in the day? If you're not laser focused, the answer is usually zero. <laughs> like you get done with the day and you're like, what the heck happened? Like I was distracted the whole day. 
So number one, you got to figure out how do I get laser focused? Number two, if you're not aware of the chaos, if you're not paying attention to what's going on around you, in Navy SEAL world, someone walks up behind you and shoots you and you're dead. You got to be aware of what's going on around you, even though you're laser focused downrange. Same thing at home. If you're not aware of the chaos, kid number three accidentally burns down the house. It's like you got to be aware of what's going on around you, but still be able to be focused. And so one way to train that is through breathing meditation. The other way to train that is through, you know, actual meditation. Um, The tool we use is Muse, and then we use our breath. Here's a few, here's three breathing patterns. Real simple. There's box breathing, which is a really simple pattern. And you just imagine four seconds on each side of this box. And if you have four seconds in through your nose, you hold it for four, you breathe out for four, and then you hold it out for four and repeat. You keep going around. And if you do this for five minutes, just like you said, you could start there. So five minutes of that breathing will get your whole body down to calm. That's an instant way you can get the calm. Um, if you do, you know, if you want to charge up, you need energy. Some people are saying, I'm exhausted by the end of the day being at home this whole time. You can do 30 fast breaths. So in through your nose, out through your mouth really fast. It looks like this. If you've done yoga, it's breath of fire. Um, there's many names for this, but you're going to do 30 breaths like that. And then on the final breath, you breathe out and hold it for 60 seconds. If you do that two times in a row, that will energize your body. So this one's for energy. And then this one is how to reset your nervous system. So if you find yourself that something triggers you and you're caught, you're like, oh, your heart rate goes up. You can't think clearly. Your prefrontal cortex is cut off and you need to drop back down immediately to calm. Okay, so we have calm breathing, we have energetic breathing, and then this is how we reset over here. And so if we use those three breath patterns, it's going to give us the ability to calm ourselves, energize ourselves, or reset ourselves at a moment's notice. And so from there, we can go back and say, okay, so now we know how to reset the body. We know how to energize the body, we know how to reset the body, and we know how to calm the body. What about emotions? You know, so the body's good. What about emotions? Oh, man. If you've ever been frustrated, charged up, had your feelings hurt, been upset, irritated, any of those emotions, if you get stuck there, it's like someone puts a filter over your eyes and the only thing you can see is red like a bull. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened. Like, you've gotten angry. And you look around and everything now just makes you more angry. That person's looking at you, making you angry now. And the way the guy's driving down the freeway is making you more angry. And, you know, someone sneezed. Do they really need to be sneezing like that right now? Like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but your emotions cloud your vision and make everything into something worth getting angry about. Brian, you ever have one of those moments? Oh, yeah. (laughs) the bull sees red. You're like, or if someone's ever hurt your feelings and you're sad and and you go outside and you're like, and then there's a bird and the squirrel, the poor squirrel. And someone's looking at you like, you're crying over squirrels. What in the world are you doing? And then, you know, you see a whale leap out of the ocean and you're like, and whales are dying too. Poor whale. And you're just like, why is this person sad about everything? Someone's angry, someone's sad. Now, I'll tell you a secret. When huge events happen in the world, we go back to our emotional home. You want to definitely write that one down. Big events happening in the world become an excuse for us to go back to the emotion that we're most comfortable with. Scared people get scared. Angry people get angry. Worried people get worried. You go back to your emotional home. And so the outside world is nothing more than an excuse to give us permission to go back to our emotional home. So one thing we want to figure out is what does our emotional home look like? What is your emotional home? You might want to take a moment and write down, um, what is your emotional home? What are the five most common emotions that you feel? 
are, are they love and joy and happiness and creativity? Are those your emotional home? Is that where you go back to? Like a crazy event in the world happens and you're just so joyful and grateful that you're alive and, and, and joyful that people are willing to step up and help in that moment and, and unbelievably j- just filled with awe and inspired that so many people care about each other and step up for their neighbors. Is that your emotional home? Is that what you go back to in times of chaos? Or not so much. Do you go to fear and anger and jealousy and frustration? I know a big one right now is fairness. I've heard people say, that's not fair. I saw a video of people waiting outside to get into Walmart to buy supplies and someone was inside the store and there was someone blocking the door saying, we're not letting anyone in. And someone yelled out, that's not fair. It's not fair. And I was like, wow, this is their emotional home. When things get tense, they say things need to be fair. Someone else says, oh my gosh, great. Let them get their supplies if they're already in there. No problem. I want to make sure their family's taken care of too. Some people get generous during tough times. They're like, man, yes, please go take care of your family. Here, if I can help you, no problem. I'd love to and I'll wait my turn. No big deal. I was like, wow. What's causing the difference there? Well, number one, the person who's able to get back to calm and be in that centered place oftentimes can look at how can I help another human instead of I need to get mine. So if your body is calm, then emotionally, you can get to a better place. You can get to a place of generosity, love, caring, giving. If your body is tight and you're tense and you're fearful instead of empowered, in a fearful state, you're going to go, no, it's either me or them. Either I get the supplies or they do. Move out of the way. I need to take care of my family. It becomes very self-centered in that moment. So if we can elevate you to empowered, you get to that empowered, centered, calm state. You're focused in your mind using your breath. Now we need to use questions. Questions is the key to emotion. So we need to come up with what are the top three emotions you would like to feel more of? Maybe it's love, joy, and creativity right now. And we got to ask yourself, what's the question we would need to be asking in order to experience more of that? So you could ask a question like, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) And your brain's going to come up with an answer. Well, they're silly. They're ridiculous. You're going to judge the tar out of them. And if you judge someone, you can't help them. It's going to separate you, distance you from them, make you feel isolated and alone. Or you could say, where's the miracle in this moment? Where's the miracle in this moment? And if all of a sudden your brain looks for the miracle in this moment, it goes, wow, the miracle is my heart is beating. That is such a miracle. The miracle is my loved ones are safe. The miracle is people are starting to participate in healing and and joy and getting back to their best selves. The miracle is, and you keep finding miracles in this moment instead of what's wrong with this moment. You could ask, where's the love in this moment? That's a great question. You could ask, where's the joy in this moment? You could ask, how could I get more creative right now? And whatever you want to feel more of by asking that question, it's going to get your brain to eventually find answers. Now, the reason I said eventually, because sometimes in the beginning, we say, where's the miracle in this moment? And our brain goes, nowhere. (laughs) So we just have to stick with the question. So just say, okay, if there was a miracle in this moment, what could a miracle be in this moment? You're like, well, I'm still alive. After all the stuff I've done in my life, it's a miracle I'm still living. You're like, okay, good. That's a miracle. Where else is a miracle in this moment? You're like, well, my kids are a miracle. Unbelievable. I mean, these humans grew and and look at them now. Look at the little miracles walking around in your world. You know, having, having a team who supports you, a business and a company that supports you like this, that's a miracle. There's a lot of companies not doing stuff like this for their team, but this one is. That's a miracle. How cool. And you keep asking great questions. So questions right over here are the key to training our emotions to go where we want them to go. Really simple how it works. You think of the emotion you want to feel. So like we want to feel this emotion over here. And if we want to feel this emotion, we just ask the question, where's the love in this moment? And we allow our brain to look for it and then feel it. Then we say, you know, and you can look for where, where, where have I felt the most love in my life in the past? 
Where am I excited to feel more love in the future? And your brain and body is going to feel it. Where's the joy in this moment? Where's the joy in this moment? You know, where's the happiness in this moment? Where, where's the beauty in this moment? That one. You know, how can I be more creative right now to solve the situations, to solve the situation or the problem that needs to be solved? So if we tapped into more love, more joy, and more creativity, could we make it out of that cabin if we were stuck in the woods together without any supplies? Well, my thought is, if, if we were loving towards each other and caring, if we were happy and joyful and being fun and silly instead of too serious, and we were creative enough, my goodness, we could figure out how to find the food. We could figure out how to create some firewood. We could figure out how to make it, make it out of this alive and have a lot of fun doing it and create a memory that we would remember for a lifetime. We would look back and go, remember that crazy time? And think of this, when you look back in your life, do you remember the things that were easy or do you remember the really insane, crazy moments you made it through? Most people remember the crazy, insane moments you made it through and you're like, I can't believe we even survived that. Oh my gosh. Remember how insane that was? Those become our favorite memories because they remind us of what we're capable of. And the only way you can access that is by one, calming and focusing your mind and body. Two, using your questions to find the joy, find the love, and find the creativity right now to get through this moment. And then finally, we get to that third piece. It's the final piece, which is the mind. Now, what do we feed the mind to get it to do what we need it to do? If we need the mind to be creative, we need to stimulate creativity. We need to train the mind to look for people that have overcome challenges and done extraordinarily well. We might want to go read some biographies of people who thrived during the Great Depression, people who excelled during 2008, people who grew and, and thrived and made it through the toughest moments of history, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, business-wise. We want to find examples. Brian, the example I text you, I was researching these and feeding my mind. I think it was Joseph Kennedy. He took $4 million and turned during the Great Depression, over a six-year period of time, right during the Great Depression, turned it into $180 million. If he turned $4 million into $6 million, I'd be impressed. $4 million to $8 million, oh my gosh. $4 million to $12, that's amazing. $4 million to $32, he's a genius. $4 million into $180 million? is insanity. Today's money, that's turning 66 million into 3.3 billion during the worst economic time in US history ever recorded. How do you do that? Well, real simple. He trained his brain to look for opportunities. You got to train your brain. So notice it's not get lucky. It's train your brain to look for opportunities. How do we train our brain to look for opportunities? But we're going to train our brain to look for opportunities. Now, like Brian said, if we're only looking to get, that'll only take us so far. But if we said, where's the opportunity to give in this moment? Who or how can I take care of the ones I love in this moment more than ever before? You know, where's the opportunity to lead in this moment? Now, leadership is not follow me or I'll kill you. Leadership is, hey, we're in a cave. We were hiking. The cave collapsed. A leader picks up a flashlight and says, I'm going to go explore. I'm going to go figure out, you know, I'm going to go walk around in the dark and find a way out of this cave. And when I find it, I'm going to come back and say, hey, I found a way out of this cave. Come with me and I can help guide you to safety. That could be economic safety, that could be emotional safety, that could be physical safety. And, and all we're doing is a real simple process we live by, which is learn it. We're going to learn what it takes to navigate this chaos. We're going to live it. We're going to apply it in our lives and get through it ourselves, and we're going to give it. We're going to pay it forward, and we're going to help others get through this challenge. And so as a leader, there's, you know, going back, there's three things we're focused on. If we're going to help you go from fearful to empowered, we need you to take ownership of your body. We need you to use your breath. We have those three breathing patterns, if you remember. 
that allow you to calm yourself, allow you to energize your body, and allow you to reset your nervous system when you need it. So you're going to use your breath to be your best. Coming back from there, we're going to be, again, laser focused and aware of the chaos. And then from there, now we're taking care of body. Now we're going to take care of our emotions. We're going to ask empowering questions right here. Where's the love in this moment? Where's the joy? How can I be more creative right now? Where's my creativity? Then we're going to take care of the mind. We're going to train it to look for the opportunity. And then we're going to choose to be a leader right now. And we're going to choose to say, how can I serve even more? How can I take care of the ones I love? My thought is, if that's what we did, you're going to be able to elevate yourself from fear all the way up to being empowered. And, and now you're going to be an empowered leader during a time of chaos. So hopefully this little map helps. Hopefully these three pieces can help you elevate into that empowered state. And, and hopefully this is something you can use. First, use it on yourself. Learn what it takes to do this. Practice it daily. And then pay it forward and get your team to elevate. You know, this organization is built on leadership, meaning can you help create more leaders within the organization? Brian, am I right on that? Absolutely. And so the, the ability for you to learn it, you to live it, and then you to pay it forward and elevate more leaders, help people get from fearful to empowered and help them step into their community, grab that flashlight and be the guide to show people how to get out of this chaos. If you do that, my goodness, you guys can have a lasting effect on the communities around you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I think that for me and something that I think is so great about some of the tools that you just gave us is we've been talking a lot recently about you can give yourself certainty each and every day, you know, and so if you wake up um, and for some people, they need to learn those tools so they can reset themselves, uh, find their center, find their calm. Um, and because you have to, you have to have certainty to give certainty, if that makes sense. And so, uh, I think these tools are great. I mean, I, I think that it would be really cool if, uh, we could just kind of do a challenge, uh, for everyone to practice these, practice the breathing exercises, uh, you know, practice, uh, where your focus is each and every day, uh, fat, fo or, uh, um, you know, focus on your, your body, um, your movement, which I know we didn't cover here, but physiology, I mean, get up and move each and every day. Um, cause it, it helps, it helps with all of that. So, um, you know, Jerick, let me ask you this right now. What, um, what are you guys doing, uh, every day? Obviously, um, well, you are in a little bit different situation as well, uh, with a baby on the way, um, uh, which is awesome. But I think that, uh, no doubt that your, your daily, uh, rituals have, have probably been adjusted a little bit accordingly. Um, but what are you doing differently today than you were two weeks ago? Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Research shows happiness needs to success in nearly every area of life. So based on 200 studies they've done with over 275,000 people, they've found that a happy person does better in surgery than a neutral or unhappy person does. A happy person does better in leadership roles in a company than a neutral or unhappy person does. A happy person does better in sales than a neutral or unhappy person does. A happy person does better in, in almost everything, in their community, in their family, in their relationship. They do better at almost everything. Now, the, the first thing to happiness is... I just posted this. I think it's four to five minutes of anger can suppress your immune system for 24 hours. But as simple as this is, you know, five minutes of laughter can boost your immune system for 24 hours. So one thing we've been doing is every day, my wife and I make it a point to watch 10 minutes of something really funny, which boosts our immune system, makes us feel better. The other thing we do, we do at least 10 minutes of meditation every single day. Now, real quick, for meditation, the benefits of meditation, just so you know, based on research, they've done research at 120 different institutions, and it lowers anxiety, lowers depression, helps with ADD, ADHD, lowers pain, lowers tinnitus, traumatic brain injury, age-related cognitive decline, and it's very supportive of the people in helping professions. And so these are all the universities that have done studies plus a whole bunch more. And they've scientifically proven those are the benefits. To scroll in, the benefits of meditation here, just so you can see them, 
prevents depression, helps with lifestyle, improves sleep, helps with resilience, stress reduction, attention, focus, and memory, helps with regulation of emotions, which is key right now, helps with communication and assertiveness, helps with decision-making and perspective and awareness of others' needs. All these things are absolutely key and amazing for right now at this moment in history. And so one thing that's super helpful there is we meditate for just 10 minutes every day. The, the free tool that I've, I've used to learn how to meditate, if you're not good at it, um, there's an app called Headspace. And just do the first 10 days, they're free, and they train you on the basics of meditation. The other thing you can do for meditation, if you want to swap something out, is 20 minutes of breathing. And with breathing, you do four seconds in and eight seconds out. And you literally just do it for 20 minutes. That I've done every single day, if not twice a day. My wife and I have both been doing it. A biofeedback specialist from New York taught me that. She said it's a way she's helped professional golfers, hedge fund managers, day traders, Olympic athletes train their body how to stay calm in times of maximum chaos and, and, and craziness. So that 20 minutes twice a day. Uh, sleep, huge. Seven and a half to eight hours of high quality sleep. That's a game changer right now. Something to look forward to. So you could plan a trip to go somewhere. It does not matter if you go on the trip or not. People always get irritated when I say that. They're like, why would you plan a trip and not go on it? Because it doesn't matter. If your brain has something to look forward to, something we do together is the vision boards. Creating a vision board creates something to look forward to. That causes you to become happier if you look forward to it every single day for 30 days. So if every day you stare at your vision board of what you want to accomplish, who you want to become, how you want to feel, it trains your brain and increases your overall happiness. So that acts of kindness. So we can do random. Random acts of kindness is important. What happens with this, when you go do a random act of kindness, just on the spur of the moment, like you see someone, you can help and bingo, you, you take action and go do something. What happens is it shoots off some biochemistry elements. Your adrenaline fires, your palms usually get sweaty, you get nervous, your heart rate elevates, you get excited. And what happens is in the moment of giving, oxytocin fires off in your body, which makes you feel more connected to yourself and the people around you. The person receiving the random act of kindness, science shows oxytocin also elevates in their body. And here's the most beautiful part. Have you ever watched a YouTube video of someone doing something kind for someone else. And by the end of the video, you found yourself literally choked up and crying because of how beautiful it was in that moment. The beautiful piece they found in science is when someone observes a random act of kindness, they also get a kick of oxy oxytocin in their body, which makes them feel more connected, grounded, and alive as well. It's amazing. It, re it lowers your cortisol which is the stress hormone in your body. So that oxytocin offsets stress. So random acts of kindness helps you, helps the person receiving, and helps anyone observing as well. Final piece, exercise. 30 minutes of exercise each day. So 10 minutes of funny, meditation, sleep, something to look forward to, random acts of kindness, and exercise are things we do every day. And by doing those, all these things are backed up by 200 research studies and over 275,000 people that prove this improves your overall happiness and mental and emotional resilience to anything going on in the world around us. That's awesome. No, I wrote those down. We're all, we, uh, we all should do that. Do, do a, a challenge every day, uh, five and five, right? So just start off, do these five things for five days and then repeat. So meditate, sleep, something to look forward to, uh, random acts of kindness and exercise and i'll put one more in there uh eat quality food and drink ketones yeah. so uh, no listen this is awesome uh i mean this is what we want to do i mean every single day we want to try to bring more value to people give you guys more perspective things that you can be focusing on um you know uh I, i've talked yesterday i talked a little bit about uh napoleon hill's book outwitting the devil and you know even come from biblical and i don't mind is is where the devil does all right and so um, you know, the key is to, to, to keep your mind growing, uh, keep looking at ways you can contribute, ways that you can give, and know that each and every one of you, um, listen, you're needed, you're known, 
uh, we appreciate you being a part of this community. Uh, here's what I would love for you to do is uh, take one takeaway that you took away from Jarek, um, share it on your social media, whether it's on your story or, or do a share uh, or share, share them back to this video, uh, tag Disprove It, tag Jared in, Jarek in it, and uh, give Jarek a lot of love. If you guys would like to hear from Jarek again, also let him know it in the comments um, and the reviews below. Um, and with that being said, Jarek, um, I'm sure we're going to be in touch. Uh, appreciate uh, all of your time and you guys take care. I know can you got. Can I add one more piece of why this is important right now for people? Sure. Let me, let me just throw this out there to wrap this up so people can, can realize how important this is right now. When, if, um, if we look at where we're at right now, th there's kind of four potential futures we could land up at. If we sit home and literally do nothing right now, we don't work on our mindset, we don't work on our body, we don't work on our business, we don't work on taking care of our family, then what's going to happen is the future, it's going to get worse, right? Because right now, things are tough. When things are tough, if you don't do anything, it's going to get worse. Now, if you do this next kind of future right here, we're going to call this like some things. You do some things with the economic situation that's happening, it's going to lead you to worse results right now and to a worse situation. You're going to get stuck in an even worse place. Now, if you do, so you do the right things, what's going to land up happening right now is still because of what's going on, you're only going to land up staying exactly where you are. Meaning it's not going to get any worse, but it's certainly not going to get better. And there's one more possibility that exists here. And this one is all the right things. And we just showed you six or seven of the right things to do. If you're willing to do all the right things right now, you're going to prosper in a way that very few people think is possible. Going back to that story. Joseph Kennedy, who turned 4 million, and it's not just about money, but this is an easy thing to measure. So 4 million into 180 million. Do you think he did nothing during that time? Not a chance. You think he did some things during that time? No way. You think he did the right things? Certainly. I guarantee for that kind of result to happen, he did all the right things. And so just looking at your future, you get to decide how it's going to turn out right now. It's completely in your control. You do nothing, it's going to get worse. You do something, it's going to get worse. You do the right things, it might stay the same. You do all the right things, my goodness, you're going to have an opportunity bigger and better than is even in your imagination right now. And I use money as the example because it's numbers and it's easy to see the difference of start to finish, but that can help in your, your mind, body, and health. That can happen spiritually. That can happen in your family. That can happen emotionally. If you're willing to do all the right things every day, you're going to see results far beyond what most people imagine is even possible. So I, I just wanted to remind people to do all the right things right now because in moments like this, it matters even more than ever before. And they get to decide what their fate is. They get to decide what their future is based on the actions and habits they're going to choose to take on every day right now. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. Do all the right things. Uh, consistency is the key. And I think consistency is the key, uh, especially in times like this. And so um, if you guys want to hear more, Jarek, uh, comment below. Uh, Jarek, appreciate all your time. Uh, love the red. I think that was a good call today. <laughs> Um, and so, no, we appreciate it. Um, we'll talk to you really soon. And for all of those that are watching, thank you guys for your time too. And um, we'll be back. Y'all keep proving it each and every day. Thanks for listening to Prove It's Playbook Podcast. If you enjoy better and want to learn more about championing the ketone conversation, join us next week for more tips, hacks, and game plans. We're putting you in, coach.